Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. As as usual, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. We're also going to have a chat with uh, Christina Sikiadis about the uh, Digital Innovation Growth uh, conference that she went to recently. We get a bit of feedback from that. But right now, we're going to cross over to Markey Financial Services, have a chat with Jeff Donegan. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. Yourself? It's a, a Thursday kind of Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is, yeah. So um, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about uh, advice as opposed to non-advice. And, and, and you're an authorised representative of Millennium, Millennium 3 Financial Services Provider Limited. And of course, as usual with our discussions, uh, it's general advice only. An individual should seek personal advice from an appropriate source before acting on any comments made. But, but Jeff, what is the difference between advice and no advice? Well, thanks, Julian. But strangely enough, the difference is answered in the question itself. Advice is provided by an authorised representative of a financial services licensee, whilst no advice means exactly that, no advice. Uh, examples of no advice that jump immediately to mind are the online providers that we see advertising so much on television these days. Okay, so why should someone seek advice? Well, life insurance is too important an investment just to Google and hope for the best. When a client sees an authorised representative seeking advice about their insurance needs, the advice that they receive is specifically tailored to their individual needs it takes into account their current financial situation, including their assets and liabilities, their current and future goals, and their estate planning needs. And most importantly, it must be in the best interest of the client. All of this is presented to the client in a document called a statement of advice. So, I know this might be a silly question, but what happens if the no advice situation? Well, exactly that. The client rings a number or goes to the web page and pops a pile of questions and you know, date of birth, gender, smoking status. The next question is how much cover do you need? Client types in the number, out pops a premium. No explanations given as to the types of the insurance cover that is available or how it will meet needs, goals and objectives. The onus is wholly and solely back on the client to get it right for himself. And there's no advice involved. So on the face of it, it sounds pretty quick and maybe cheap though. It does, doesn't it? But it's not always what it seems to be. Uh, in many instances, these online companies, they will issue cover immediately. No more questions, no blood tests, no underwriting whatsoever. Unfortunately, what we've seen happen is that many of these policies exclude any pre-existing conditions, and these exclusions can be very broad. For example, if a client has high blood pressure and subsequently has a heart attack, he faces the strong possibility of having a claim denied because high blood pressure may be seen as a symptom of heart disease. And further, the comparisons that we've done show that quite often the premiums is not as cheap as compared to a fully advised and underwritten insurance policy. So I suppose the, the, the real crux of it comes in, OK, I've got an insurance policy, I've paid a, a few dollars for it, but if I have to uh, get them to pay out on it, that's when the real crunch comes. Well, that's it. It's the, the need. It's not getting the policy in the first place. It's to make sure that the policy is going to do what you are paying it to do at the time mm. that it's required. Mm. So, so can you briefly summarise the, the differences? Yeah, sure. Um, 
Firstly, if you were sick, you wouldn't Google your symptoms and treat yourself. <laughs> right? You might Google to have a look, but you would go and see a doctor and get appropriate advice. It is the same here. Secondly, everyone is different. One size does not fit all, and we all have different needs and objectives. Advice should be personal. It should be appropriate to the individual circumstances. And then thirdly, to ensure certainty, policies should be fully underwritten. Can you just explain that last little bit a bit more? What does it mean to be fully underwritten? Fully underwritten means that you complete a full application disclosing your health Mm. uh, status and also a little bit on family history. Uh, The questions asked are sometimes slightly different depending on the type of insurance that you're applying for. But then it goes to an underwriter and they fully assess your past medical history and the insurance is based on that. So if there's anything in your history that may prove to be a problem to the policy, it is raised there and then before Mm. you actually take the policy on board. You don't get a surprise at the end. So, of course, that's the same with any policy, whether it's uh, life insurance or home contents or whatever. They, the uh, insurer needs to be fully aware of all the facts, don't they? Yes, they, yeah, they, they do, and the client also has a full duty of disclosure to disclose mm. any known facts to the insurer at the time of application as well. So, so is there anything else you can offer to assist people in understanding insurance? Well, I suppose you know, the bottom line is to make sure that you get proper and appropriate personal advice. You should always read the product disclosure statement, which is the brochure supplied by the insurance company, and you should make sure you read and understand the statement of advice. And if you've got any questions, ask your authorised representative and get full explanation. So we're, here, we're always hearing on the, uh, on the radio and other and TV and things, product disclosure statement or PDS. So that's what it means, isn't it? We've really got to understand what we're, what we're signing up for. Exactly, and unless you're fully informed, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. So, Jeff, what will we be discussing in our next session? Well, Steve will be back in the next fortnight, and um, I'm sure he'll have something interesting to discuss, or he uh, might put me up here again. <laughs> or someone else from your organisation. Well, you never know your luck in the big city. Thanks very much for your time, Jeff. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Thanks, Julian. Much appreciated. Yeah. Bye bye. Jeff Donegan there from the Markey Financial Services area. Yeah, it's important to get that advice. And it was interesting when uh, when Jeff said he was going to discuss this because I had a quick look at a, an article I was I was just reading, and it says with eighty percent of the world's population having a mobile phone and increasing access to the internet via tablets and PCs, many consumers are researching their personal health information online. In fact, Google has reported that one in 20 of the 100 billion searches a month was for health-related information. And it also goes on to show that 30, 35% of the adults in, in the US have gone to the internet to self-diagnose a medical problem. And it also goes that only about three of the first 10 results were highly useful for any thought form of uh, giving you information about the disease. So, as Jeff said, if uh, you have a health problem, whilst we might have a quick look online, I'm sure the doctors don't like us walking in and saying, I've got this wrong with me, but we do go back and seek advice. We should do the same thing with our insurance. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 22 minutes past one. 
Time to pop over to Christina Sikiatis for our chat on innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Now, I was just listening to that song thinking, I wonder if there's a difference between the way women innovate and the way men innovate. Um, I think there are people out there that would tell you that men and women do everything differently and that women <laughs> are from Venus and men are from Mars or whichever way it is. But actually, you know what, Julian, at the, at the base of everything, we are all human beings and we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses and that's just the way it is, you know. And I'm not saying, and no sex is weaker or stronger than the other. And that's why we're theoretically meant to be compatible. Okay. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic answer. Uh, it's, for me, it's the truth. Uh, people are people, you know, and there are good people yeah. and bad people. And it's not that, you know, there's more good women or bad women or bad men or good, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there so, you go. So you went to the Digital Innovation Growth, DIG. I'm going to give us some feedback on that. Yeah, so DIG was all about um, innovation. It was all about change and the rate of change. And, uh, and we all know that things are happening faster. Um, and but, you know, as I was listening to some of the speakers and as I was um, absorbing some of their messages, the only thing that's really changed and that's made the pace of change um, increase is, is the digital world. So mm. we, we came through the Industrial Revolution and people thought that was fast. People thought change in the Industrial Revolution was fast. Well, you know, change is probably fast at our pace now because of digitalization. So there was a whole lot of talk, obviously, with digital innovation growth being the, the theme of the festival. Um, and they had some fantastic speakers. They had some international speakers and some local speakers. Jesper Laugren, um was talking about um, disrupt or be disrupted, and it's not a new message. But And neither were some of the things that he said, but it's the way... I, I guess it's that hundredth monkey syndrome. If you hear enough people say the same thing, you start going, oh, maybe this is something that I need to listen to, you know? So he talked about um, passion and it being an infinite source of energy. Um, he talked about extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Um, and he talked about um, if you're in the presence of something that motivates you, then then it's a pleasure to, to try and problem solve around it. You know, it's a, it's a really mm. good way um, to, to come up with new ways of doing things. Two of the new words, or not new words, but two of the words that are kind of going around at the moment and came out at the festival, one was courage and one was being vulnerable. Um, and as we know, vulnerability uh, comes out when, you know, when we talk about it in, in terms of combined with the ego. So if we're prepared to be vulnerable and if we're prepared to strip away ego, then we're not afraid to make mistakes. If we have the courage, then we're not afraid to make mistakes either. So two words that I thought were, were um, potentially part of a theming of some of the talks um, and are increasingly important in a, in a time of increased and rapid change. There was a lot of talk about buzzwords, um, and there was a really great term used by Gavin Heaton, which was called nomophobia, which was the fear of being without technology, and uh, to, to, like specifically in nomophobia, being without your mobile phone, mm. which got me thinking about how many times people have panicked at meetings or whatever when they have to switch off their phone or they turn it to silent, and how many people actually can't be in without a workshop for two or three hours yeah, without their phone. Mm. And you see people walking in and out, um, of you know of situations where um, you know they're not they're not game enough to turn a phone off in case they miss something important. Mm. Craig Wilson, who was one of the co-founders of Dig, um, gave us a fantastic example um, of of how businesses can niche. So he did a he did a bit of a presentation on the Dollar Shave Club. Go and have a look at dollarshaveclub.com um, and have a look at their their uh, 
promotion, their marketing. It's fantastic. It's such a funny little um, little video. But all they've done, they have so niched the market of shavers for men. So one of the other messages that was um, given or delivered was that you can very much niche a market these days um, because the world is your market. So these guys ship shavers all over oh, the world, um, which is quite remarkable, yeah. Uh, Brian Daly gave a very powerful talk. Brian um, is a local local guy, yeah. and he talked about creativity driving everything forward. Uh, so that was that was. Oh, well, he was singing my song, really. But um, so creativity, and that you actually need to be creative, and that whole idea of coming back to a creative force to solve problems. Mm. You know, creativity isn't only about fine art, um, painting, drawing, and everything else. Which I mean, it is, and they're beautiful, and we've spoken about that before. But creativity is a skill and is, a, is something that is drained out of us um, as we go oh, through our education cool. system. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's something that is very much needed in today's um, environment. Mm. Ruth Farmer was fantastic. She was one of the international speakers. She gave a talk on diversity and inclusion um, and gave, some, gave a really good example of ponytail Volvo. So Volvo went through um, a, a few iterations of making their cars female-friendly. So where does a female put their handbag when they get into a car? Mm. On the floor, on the seat. When there's five people in the car, where do you put your handbag? You know, so Volvo went through and went, okay, well, we're going to create a space for that handbag. And the ponytail, they did a, a they've got a ponytail headrest. So oh, okay. women, women who wear ponytails, if you actually lean onto that ponytail, it can become quite painful. And that's why it's, called, it's got its name, Ponytail Volvo. Um, so she was talking quite a lot about diversity and inclusion at the design table, which is what we have mentioned many times with design thinking. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there was lots of interesting conversation, um, lots of interesting messages. Eve Mayer, LinkedIn Queen, was just fantastic um, and spoke, spoke about social media and how it emulates human experience. And that's, that's what it is. And mm. also the fact that of the trust factor, you know, and we get to know somebody and we get to trust. And we've, we've spoken before yeah, about that yeah. peer-to-peer reviewing that's becoming very popular. Yeah. Well, sounds good. And, and, and really, those principles just are applicable offline as well as online. It's just that they've applied it to the digital world where there are, of course, lots and lots of opportunities. That's right. And that's yep. what we've had to do because, that's, you know, that's the new – it's the new – we're in a digital revolution, you know. We're yeah. in a digital age now. We've we've out of the industrial age. We're into the into the digital age, and that's where we have to. But as long as we've got that backup, as long as yep, we've got a backup, right. as you say, without your phone or without your computer, <laughs> can you still operate? Yeah, so that's right. And Great. at the end of the day, we are human beings. We need that human interaction. Of course. Thank you very much for your time again. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it. Bye, Thank Julian. Bye, bye. Standard security is there with some great ideas, but those ideas really don't change online or offline. We just need to be more creative and look for opportunities online or offline. Well, it's uh, 28 minutes to two. Time to have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one here says, develop smart routines to find your focus. The more decisions you have to make in a day, the more drained you feel. To focus your attention and energy on the work that matters, it helps to apply a repeatable structure to your day. You can start by beginning your morning an hour or so earlier. No matter the time you choose, you feel more energised by how much more you check off your to-do list before noon. Then try working in 90-minute increments. This is the optimal amount of time for focus. Concentrate on one task, uninterrupted, for an hour and a half. Then take a break to refuel before switching to your next task. When you're uh, powering down at the end of the day, 
Review your to-do list. Did you get everything done? Were your expectations realistic? Does this every, do this every day and will help you determine whether you're assigning time and tasks appropriately. So it's interesting, taken from a book, Getting More Work Done, The 20-Minute Manager. And this one here says, Get your team involved in onboarding a new hire. If you want a new employees to perform well, you have to get them off to a good start. This means getting the help from your team. Assign them the task of bringing the new teammate up to speed and have them share collective responsibility for his or her success. Ask one person to act as a sponsor and designate him or her to be the go-to person for when the teammate runs into problems. This is good for the sponsor who gets an opportunity to demonstrate leadership skills and the new employee who can get feedback without having to worry about asking his or her new manager questions. Remember, the smallest things count. You want to make the onboarding experience memorable in a positive way. Ask team members to coordinate so the new teammate doesn't eat lunch alone in the first week. There's a couple of interesting points there, isn't there? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to have a look at a legal issue and with Baker Love Lawyers. We're also going to talk with Christina Sikiotis and some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you next week at the same time. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Cher once said, I've always taken risks and never worried what the world might really think of me. <laughs>